You're listening to the Imago Day podcast with Joseph Terry. Today's episode is titled The God Who Loves. What does it mean that God is love? I want to offer a brief theological reflection looking carefully at the Gospel of John, particularly the opening of the Gospel of John. I believe in these words, which are in many ways a retelling of the opening words of Genesis, have so much for us to really ponder on, uh, on the nature of God and how he comes to us. There's something about the way God comes to us that our eyes, our ears, our heart, our mind, our soul is opened to a deeper and richer understanding of love. So thank you for joining me, and let's jump right into this. The opening of the Gospel of John, chapter 1, it reads, In the beginning the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, just stopping there for a second, that word, word, in Greek is logos, and it could mean wisdom, meaning logic, intelligence, it could even mean, literally, word, uh, as a linguistic event. And we see already here in verse 1 that that the word, the Logos, uh, is identified as one with God. That withness signifies a community of sort, a partnership, a relationality. But curiously is also identified as God. In the beginning, the word already existed. That means that this word came before time and space pre-existed all of creation. The word was with God and the word was God, identifying not only a partnership or in communion with God, but that God mysteriously is the Logos. It goes on to say here in verse two, he existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. Wow. So much is being said here. Moving on. Verse 4. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. Another translation could read as, Or nothing that was created was created except through him. The word gave life to everything. And then finally in verse Five, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And what I want to say today, um, as we dive into this, is that I, I just really believe that there's so much being said here regarding the God of love. And I want to actually connect the first five verses that I just looked at with verse 14, which reads as, So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So, in connection with verse 14, we see that the word pre-existed all of reality, that the word is identified as one who is with God and is God. We also see that God created all of reality through this word. All came into being 
through this word and then not just merely came into being, but a special coming into being that bespeaks of life. As we see there in verse four, the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light. Watch this move to everyone, to everyone, right? Signifying personage. And then we also see here that the word uh, that brought life and light to everyone, that this light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Other translations will read it as cannot overcome it. Wow, so much being said here. And that this word in the midst of all of this that, that is being revealed, this word in verse 14, we see as one who took up human flesh, who became flesh, human, and tabernacled or made his home among us. So there are a number of things here. Number one, word created all. Just like we see in, a, in the opening of the Bible, in the book of beginning, in the book of Genesis, uh, God, through divine fiat, simply spoke creation into being. As it reads, um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And then in that, we come to the words, and God said, said, right? He spoke, let there be light. And we see this repetition throughout the opening chapter of Genesis that God, through divine fiat, through his infinite power, simply spoke creation into being. We can we can see from that that there's that reality itself finds its cause, finds its being in the linguistic event that God brought forth. You and I, and the world around us, we are creatures of God's word. That God spoke us into existence. Um, uh, it reveals not only God's tremendous, infinite power, but it also reveals uh, the inner logic, the inner meaning, the inner substance of reality itself. For if God's word spoke us into being, if God, through his word, created all things, and here in the Gospel of John, we come to realize that the word is understood as meaning, and it could also be translated as wisdom or logic, we can then come to a realization that all of reality has an inherent meaning or logic or reason. It comes forth from this transcendent space, it comes from God, and yet within us is, as it were, the DNA of God's linguistic fingerprints, 
the DNA of God's linguistic fingerprints, this theological uh, revelation that we we can come to through a, a careful reading of Scripture, um, can easily be seen as confirmed. I mean, I mean, think of the sciences, whether it be social science or um, uh, the physical sciences. All of science, in fact, all of knowledge is predicated. It is based on this understanding that there is inherent uh, meaning. There's a logi. There is a reason uh, to things, an inherent reasoning that we can discover through careful analysis, through empirical observation, through thinking clearly and logically, logos, that even the art and science of of thinking logically will grant us greater capacity to see the inherent logic that is found within all of creation, a logic that points back to the infinite beauty and glory and transcendence of God who is closer to us than we are to ourselves. That's number one, word created all. That we are the offspring, as it were, of a linguistic event. Number two, we could also see here that word is given to humanity. Just rereading verse 14. So the word became human and made his home among us. My goodness, the one that created all, that fashioned all, came into being took up the very linguistic event that this God uttered and clothed himself with the logic as if he came as as if a computer programmer after creating the the entire um, system and structure of the particular program and this um, this other world as it were is as if the computer programmer entered into the actual program itself and, and clothed himself, as it were, so that he uh, is seen within the program and is part of the program, though remains infinitely distinct from the program. This is something of what Christians uh, mean when, when we say God became enfleshed. He became incarnate in Christ, that Jesus Christ the Son of the Living God is God in flesh. And already here we begin to see this, this move of love that God would take up human nature without ceasing to be God, that God would enter into our world for our sake is a tremendous revelation of the movement of love. Love condescends love seeks the lowest position to elevate the lowly up to the greatest heights this movement of love is what we see here in the giving of the word in the sending of the word of god who is god himself to humanity and what we see here is that the word number three the word is rejected. The word is rejected by humanity. 
Though it says in verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never uh, extinguish it. And that is absolutely true. Um, We also need to read that carefully in light of what is read, uh, what what is seen in verse 10. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he, the word, gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Amazing. The word, the logos takes up human nature, comes to us for our sake and our salvation. And we reject him. We push this movement of love away from us. God seeks us out. We run from God. We avoid God. We trample on God when God is in our way. He comes to his own. We find our identity with God. He made us. He's our father. But his own did not receive him. The flesh, the particular flesh that Christ took up in the incarnation, in the mystery of the enfleshment of God, was Jewish flesh. The offspring of the children of Israel. He comes to them as Mashiach, Messiah, foretold, predicted, laid out in type and form in the Tanakh, in the Old Testament. They were unable to see. The majority rejected him. He's given over to lawless men, the Romans, and he is crucified. The word takes up human flesh, but it is precisely the human creature that rejects the word. This is the insanity of sin. This is the twistedness of our fallenness. This is beyond reckoning. This is, uh, it just transcends reasoning. Yet here it is. But this is the magnification of love. It's precisely in this form of rejection In this, not only merely running away from God, but the slaughtering of God in our attempt to silence God. For when we put him on the cross, when we stabbed his dead body with a spear, when we put him on trial, when we rejected him, it was God we were doing this to. It was God. And It was the word of God. In this sense, we sought to silence God, to put a muzzle on God, to reject God's word. When they, the religious leaders, put Christ on trial at night, contrary to the law, contrary to the Torah, unjustly, they put the very word of God on trial. Yet the word stood Silently, 
He stood silently. But this is love. While we were still dead in our transgressions, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. It was precisely in this mode of rejection that the love of God is made fully manifested, which leads us to number four. Let me just reread the first three. So number one, word created all. Not all of reality is a linguistic event. Number two, word is given to humanity. Number three, word is rejected by humanity. And finally, number four, word embraces the rejection for the sake of humanity. This is a God of love. On the cross, it's on the cross, God is reconciling the entire world for itself, for him. Reconciling the entire world to him. I mean, what manner of love is this? That God's love is, oh, I, I, I there, there are no words. I, I, it's as if language itself is too impoverished. All that we can do in the face of this reality is engage in doxology to worship. Worship is the only proper response. All we can say is hallelujah, glory to God alone, who through this act, even in the very act of rejecting God, silencing and crucifying his word, it is precisely through this he saves us. I mean, just think about this. The one who fashioned the very splinters of the cross from the subatomic particle upward, right? He, his body, is on that cross. The one who uh, put together the, the neurochemistry and the entire anatomical and physiological reality of the Roman soldiers who crowned him with thorns, who slaughtered him, they were doing it to the very one who was giving them breath and strength to do this. This is why philosophers like Haman and Kierkegaard understood that irony is at the heart of it all. <laughs> all of this is deep irony, this is deeply ironic. And the gospel is ironic. And so let us ponder on this. Let us really reflect on the God who not only shows us love, but is love. <laughs>